Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 391, and today we'll be talking about Sprig vs. Hop Pop and Girl Time from Amphibia. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Ooh. I mean, Sprig vs. Hop Pop was, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but a really good episode. <laughs> I think that you're not reading too much into it. It was a very tight episode of television has an amazing central premise, which is that the Planter family has a ancient ritual in which oh, family matters can be that. decided. It has very funny outfits that have to be worn during it. It has very simple and appealing rules. Polly plays a critical role in ringing the bell. That's beautiful. And everything around it is also great <laughs> because... You know, as this show does I'm sure very this well, makes sense later. <laughs> it it uses eleven minutes very effectively to you know have Sprig transform roughly into a worse version of Hop Hop within you know only like seven minutes, and for Hop Hop to learn you know more life lessons than he's ever learned in just a day and a half amongst the Beatles. Uh, it it it's Jeremy is a really good friend. Yes, and it continues to build on character traits that we already know, like Hop Hop has a great affinity for little pets, you know, uh, despite himself. And also, he's an old man who is ready to just... The fire pit is perfectly in character for him. Yeah, he just doesn't care, and he's willing to leave it all behind and walk into a graveyard as well. It's it's a truly beautiful and compelling thing. To watch, and meanwhile, I don't think Anne actually really does much at all in this episode, and that's okay. This is really yeah. a Planter Family special. This is a Planter Family episode, yes. I mean, I got severe flashbacks to Cockadoodle Duel from Garfield and Friends, where uh, Roy uh, loses his position as the farm rooster until, of course, it turns out they need Roy, not a uh, gosh, what was his name? Plato, I think his name was. Anyway, the uh, exact same thing happened here, as I was hoping it would. I, 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 don't, I didn't want uh, Hop Hop to meet his fate in that graveyard. No, um, you know, it's great to know that all great plots are sourced from Garfield and Friends, ultimately. Well, I have to, I have to go back to find someone before The Simpsons, so. Yeah, I mean, actually, I was going to say, you know, sometimes Amphibia has a little bit darker twist, but I don't know. I feel like Garfield is pretty willing to also have sort of sharp edges to its humor but i don't know the fire pit gag as you mentioned is is pretty amazing (laughs) pretty amazing for spring to pull his hand out and i thought the barrel was just going to come apart and it was going to be empty or something or i don't or well no i thought all the notes would still be in there like basically hop hop hadn't read them i thought was going to happen yeah surprised me with the fire pit that was a good one yeah that was a great twist (laughs) um well i have a concern which is, do the cowworms have udders four feet? Ooh, that is that is concerning. I I, I mean, they're pink, and it's kind of gross. But everything in this world is kind of gross. Yeah, it's one of many things that made me pause. I mean, I, I liked how ineptly they were training them to pull up the. Well, why were those things spaced so far apart if they were just gonna grow as roots you'd think you'd want to pack those guys in a little more but hop hop is now open to suggestions so <laughs> okay i'll uh, i'll put that one in the barrel but we we did get a maybe we got a maybe yeah <laughs> he he might not throw it into the fire 
He is still burning most of the suggestions, but if Spring <laughs> has a decent one, it has been read. Yeah. Now, you know, we I mentioned Cockadoodle Duel, but there was another storyline happening in this one. And probably the most accessible place where this has been done is Animal Farm, where you have the revolution overthrowing the tyrannical uh, farmer, only for the revolutionary Sprig to become just as bad as the farmer he deposed. Yeah, I thought that it played this you know, scenario out well, in that it's not a completely obvious moral lesson that, you know, oh... Hop Hop should just take suggestions from people because, of course, look how quickly it corrupts Sprig. Where, you know, I love that he, when he finally has to defend the farm against everyone else, he's holding a flag that says, like, something like, listening is loving. <laughs> yeah. And there's a great irony in that. Yeah, I like that. And come back with actually good suggestions this time. <laughs> and, you know, what was Hop Pop's complaint that Sprig always had? bad suggestions. It's the vicious cycle of revolution and autocracy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. See, that, that's, that's, that is the part where I fear that I read... I mean, obviously it was in there. It was very, very textual. There's no subtext. They're very blatant about it, but... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm enjoying that text too much, but I, I loved the, the planter family ritual. Is that an official challenge? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was the right amount of random, but as you said, rooted in deep character traits that have already been established. Right. Well, and it is great how, again, they like, it's very efficient usage of time. They kind of smack up against each other. Polly shouts out the suggestion and bam, we're in the middle of who knows where muddy swamp on a lily pad. You know, it's, (laughs) it's great. When they had their rematch and uh, Hapadaya was looking at Sprig, I, I thought for sure that they were going for he realized that Sprig had cheated or, or done something different that the first time. But no, he just like, you know, Sprig, I'll actually be a better uh, farmer if you just uh, let me win. Sprig's like, oh, cool. <laughs> there was no there was no great revelation that Sprig had pulled a fast one on him or anything. No. Yeah. I mean, there didn't need to be another twist, right? Which left us with room to have Sprig, you know, self-sacrifice himself in a very, very funny (laughs) slow-mo moment. I love it when they do the overwrought scenes like that. And then they just show, oh, he just plopped into the bud. He's fine. (laughs) Yeah, there's a, I mean, I hate to, you know, go ahead and mention it for the next episode. But similarly, when the sheriff leaves the town. Constable. (laughs) Right at the end of the next one. It's like. Okay, <laughs> I guess they dedicated an extra four seconds to that. Yeah, guy I've never seen in my life. <laughs> never will again. I mean, do you want to go ahead and talk about girl time? Uh, when did you realize that girl time was going to end with Polly winning the spitting record? Yeah, that's pretty much set up from the beginning, right? I, d- I did not make the connection between all the IOUs they were passing and the golden trophy until I see her and Wally sitting out there drinking, and then all of a sudden I have this epiphany. Oh, oh, they're going to have to win that trophy to pay off their debts, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, I don't think I thought of the, like, trophy until, you know, Anne literally looks at it. Which, by the way, talk about efficiency. She looks at it, and then as soon as she has the idea that it could pay their debts, she's just placing Polly directly in front of, apparently there's always been a rope <laughs> and a marked out line for this challenge. Yes. The whole town gathers instantly. You know, that's that's great. But um, yeah, it, it it has a pretty tight circular narrative there. 
I liked the revelation that Hop Hop and Sprig love the spa as well, so it's not nearly as girly as Anne is trying to pretend well, it is. Yeah, it's so funny that they did this narrative because I feel like the Fairly Odd Parents did it a long time ago. Not better, but like more thoroughly, right? Like Timmy gets to spend the day as a girl and kind of realizes like hanging out with Trixie as like a friend and also like doing these activities is cool. But it also feels like dated. That episode is really old. (laughs) And like Anne being a modern teenager and being like, oh, I need to like fix up this mess that is Polly. I mean, be fair. That's a very Anne thing to say, isn't it? It, Well, that's true. So that's the thing. It does help like establish Anne as part of that, like that class of middle schooler still, you know, but it's it's just funny because we're we're kind of past, I mean, are we past telling kids that, you know, oh, boy activities aren't just boy activities, girl activities aren't just girl activities? <laughs> but no one needed to say uh, it explicitly you're... in Steven Universe or Summer Camp Island or, you know, any of these other shows that I feel like blur it, you know? See, I, I don't know, because I'm just thinking back now that you mention it to Camp Laszlo and the episode where the Bean Scouts accidentally get the, what are they, Squirrel Scouts? The girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, get their handbook accidentally and so they're all doing girly activities until they realize that, oh wait this handbook bans like literally all of us because they don't like us very much <laughs> yeah well uh, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Camp Laszlo too because it's uh you know it's a little bit older <laughs> so it's like I don't know it just takes me back to like that felt like really profound to me as a kid like oh wait I can, I, there's lines because even, even back during Camp Laszlo the guys <laughs> were enjoying, I mean it was funny that they were enjoying the girly activities whereas nowadays it's just matter of fact that oh man i love the spa although they did point out that hapadaya enjoys the fact that the fish are eating the dead flesh off of his feet whereas i'm presume Anne would be creeped out by that i mean she was enjoying it in the moment i'm assuming she knows how that works but yeah well, but she know. was enjoying the dung beetle uh cookie scone yeah, until scone. she found out it was dung beetle so that's true poor Anne, though actually that is each time she eats something horrible like that that is a minor character growth because we do see her continuing to eat more horrible things over time with actual acceptance so (laughs) this is another step i mean i'm I'm sorry like if if i if i were eating something i was like oh this is really good what is this oh yeah that's a scone made from dung beetle i'd be like seriously okay (laughs) yeah it's like if it tastes good it tastes good what do you want from me i'm a i'm a simple guy So, okay, does Hop Hop actually pay for everything in IOUs, though? I guess this is a thing that's happening in the town, but and I guess it helps that they run a farm, but his financial situation is concerning, no? I mean, he's literally banned from an establishment, or not banned, but at least his payment methods are recognized as, like, highly problematic. (laughs) Yeah, I think the fact that everyone knows his IOUs are no good is, uh, is good for his finances. Uh, otherwise, he'd be spending money he didn't have. Uh, I hate I, that. I was just the whole time. I'm like, oh, she's wasting so much of Hop Pop's money. <laughs> I know, but it hurts. It's funny because it's not like the aspect of the show where Anne has like traveled to another dimension, but also it's in a different sort of time setting, at least technology and like civilization wise. I really enjoyed the kind of reactions that the different shop owners had to the IOUs, like the first person just reading it and saying like, well, it says it's he's good for his money. <laughs> like that would be an acceptable way, right? To like exchange goods and services. I don't know. That just was 
funny to me. Uh. <laughs> now I I do wanna I do wanna take back one thing I said. I said that the things that she bought were wastes of money. There is one thing she bought that was not a waste, and that was getting her hair done. We finally got to see Anne's hair without the stick in it, without any leaves. And it doesn't it you know make you think how does it get back into her hair? Is it just all of her escapades <laughs> that keeps a stick? Is it not actually the same stick constantly, do you think? It's just representative. It must of- <laughs> not be, because as uh, unless she felt really bad and like broke into the salon afterwards and got her stick back, I, I think it's just like Polly said, she and Sprig are always getting into antics. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely like a little little early fan service, you know? If you're already like invested in the pattern of the show, it's like, oh, hey, you've been waiting for this. <laughs> Here you go. I did like the, you mentioned the the dramatic exit for the constable who we've never seen before in our lives. Yeah, he's hilarious. Just basically anything he says is great. Like him explaining how the egg (laughs) debtor's prison works. And I also love how simple the twist was that, you know, you just hear egg and they shaped it like a chicken coop. So you're not really like, you're not thinking chicken yet, but you're definitely thinking something innocent. And of course, it's (laughs) horrible frog-sized spiders. It looked like a baby-sized daycare, like, uh, <laughs> like you know, those little playhouses. Like, if you take the whole daycare and shrink it down and decorate a playhouse with all of the daycare decorations. Yeah, they, they, they did a good job of fooling and us And then all. you put the most horrific spiders. What? How do they have so many people in, the, in that one small <laughs> in village? That one. In debtor's prison! <laughs> That if they're getting wrapped up in cocoons that quickly, I don't know how they're feeding this monster. You know, the size and wealth of the town is always surprising to me. Because, like, you know, we've seen how the mayor lives and the amount of wealth that he's extracted from people. But, I mean, look at all the goods or all the places that Anne and uh, Polly went that day. Like, that is not indicative of just a completely poor citizenry right like there's quite a collection that is of... a fairly upscale town's worth of uh worth of right luxury shops like i i feel like the corner that <laughs> the planners live in is a little more uh backcountry but there there's definitely parts of the towns where like thriving artisans and merchants are you know making it happen for themselves i mean maybe the planners like live in the village and then the mayor is the mayor of the town that the village is adjacent to yeah, there, I don't know. there's some some levels of things. You know, I'm sure that analyzing it will be very important. Oh, yeah. My, my sense of the region's geography is uh, maybe a little busted. All I have to remember is that amphibia is shaped like a lily pad. <laughs> and then that reminds you that it's not that complex <laughs> at the end of the day. I thought it was a frog's head. Wait, what? All right. Yeah, we need to solve that. Yeah, I thought it was in the I thought it was a frog's head in the intro. Oh, my God. No, it's uh Oh, OK. Well, uh, this is interesting. So it looks like a lily pad, but it also has a big lake that kind of looks like a Pac-Man eye. But I'm going to claim not a frog head. Okay, I think it is meant to be a lily pad. But yeah, it does make it look like a Pac-Man rendition, but the, there would be a second eye. Yeah, it has to be a lily pad. It has to be a lily pad. It's not usual that I get the lore right. So I'll take it as a win. <laughs> I mean, those are very interesting lakes, though. They are. They are. Yeah, try to try to stare at that and map that. It just looks so much like... Yeah, oh, I keep looking at that central town. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Yes, it will, GC. Yes, it will. <laughs> uh, 
There's quite a few maps that I'm interested in you seeing in the future. Anyway, uh, great episode. All right, that's not ominous at all. <laughs> I'll, uh, I do want to dedicate this podcast episode to Slippy. Um, he slipped. He slipped. <laughs> he rest in peace. That was a great uh, tombstone uh, joke that they had randomly <laughs> in the background of the, the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, we didn't even mention those horrific mosquitoes from the first one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We're, we're still getting a significantly bad monster in every every episode. Yeah, that was pretty great. I just like they're they're flying around stabbing with their knife proboscises at that guy. Yeah, accented with the sad clown music. Looks like they're actually drinking the water. So that's nice. Yeah, no, that's nice. They get some water out of it. But like they had the kind of horrifying clown just casually playing a song that i only know is circus afro polka dot afro thanks to madagascar 3's advertising but that song um. <laughs> uh, and the, I, I like how you have uh polly being the one who's afraid of clowns somebody has to be afraid of the clowns in a, in a cartoon it's the rules yeah well you have to pick someone who has a great s- scream and polly does have a great one although i think actually all of the planters have really good screams to be fair. I don't know. Hoppa Dies is probably the most amusing. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. Well, Polly generally shouts what she says. He'll not just scream. He'll give you commentary. <laughs> Say what? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. No, we cannot let this devolve into hot pop <laughs> accents. We got to get out of this one. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the the mosquitoes were oof. actually come to think of it when he did the oh i even kept a smaller version of your swimming hole and they make it look a lot bigger and that no no it is just perfectly polysized yeah that was cute <laughs> nice little fake out nice little fake out i i i said that amphibia was too predict well not too predictable but i said they were predictable and now they're proving me wrong yeah that's right the writing is clever wow Final final great quote that I loved was uh, Sprig commenting that their chains represent their burden on society. Um. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's bought into it. He's bought into the lies they're telling him. Yeah, I just that like mixture of hilarious, not really social commentary, but just like humor derived from social commentary is is just so um, quintessential amphibia. And like especially that kind of deadpan delivery. So, thank you, Sprague, for that one. But that's okay. Thankfully, Polly is very excellent at a sport that everyone loves, and so she is rewarded disproportionately for it. I need to look in future episodes, though, if you could ever see the pedestal in the center of the town. Like, is that a permanent marker of progress? Like, hey, there's a little Polly statue. I don't remember if it's ever visible again. Hmm. I mean, we never saw it in the first place. Right. <laughs> I don't know if the town center had it, but... What is? Oh, that's okay. We'll be on Polly Watch next time we watch Amphibia. But that is it for us on Sprig vs. Hot Pop and Girl Time. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Um, Leave a review. Or don't. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 